Thank you, Brother Terry. Thank our praise team, and thank all of you for taking part in worship this morning. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to the Old Testament, to the book of Amos, to the book of Amos. Amos chapter 4, we want to look at verse 6 through 12 today. Amos chapter 4, verse 6 through 12, and we probably will use verse 12 as our text. Amos chapter 4, verse 6 through 12. And thank you for being here. Thank you for bringing your Bibles with you. That sounds good to, to um, hear the pages turning. Uh, use your index if you have to. I have to from time to time, especially in the minor prophets. Best way to find Amos is start at Malachi right after Matthew in the Old Testament, or right before you get to Matthew, and go back a few books and you'll have it. Uh, that'll save you from having to really hunt, like I do from time to time. Let's look at Amos chapter 4, verse 6. Now let me kind of set the stage here. God, God's people had turned from him. And he had chastised them. We're going to read about his chastising. You know, God disciplines us when we are out of his will. And he chastises us. And the purpose for the chastising is to bring us back into his righteousness. So Israel had, had walked away, wandered away from God, and he's chastising them. And they are rejecting his correction. I'll give you a kind of overview of chapter 4. But, is, but Amos chapter 4, verse 6. He said, Also I gave you cleanness of teeth in your cities, a lack of bread in all your places. Now this is what he was doing to bring them back to him. You have not returned to me. Underline the word return, says the Lord. I also withheld rain from you when there were still three months to the harvest. I made it rain on one city, I withheld rain from the other city. One part was rained upon, where it did not rain, that part weathered. And the two or three cities wandered to another city to drink water. But they were not satisfied. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. Now God gets upset when individuals don't return to him, but God gets upset when nations don't return to him. Verse 9, I blasted you with blight and mildew. When your gardens increased, your vineyards, your fig trees, and your olive trees, the locusts devoured them. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. I sent among you a plague after the manner of Egypt. For, your, for young men I killed with a sword, along with your captive horses. I made the stench of your camp come up into your nostrils. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. I overthrew some of you, and as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And you were like a firebrand plucked from the burning. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. Therefore, verse 12, This will I do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you. 
Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. That's our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to worship you and now to open your infallible, your inspired, your inerrant word. Help us, help these words we pray, use these words, let them come alive on the page as you speak to our hardened hearts, our hardened hearts, that we might be willing today as your people to repent of sin and return to you as individuals and as a nation. I pray, O oh Lord, today you'll speak to those who have never trusted you as Lord and Savior of their lives. Let them know that one day they will face God. We pray now that we'll use this time in a worthy manner, speak to our hearts, and we pray that your Holy Spirit will lead us and move us as we make decisions that will affect us throughout all eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, first of all, let me say this passage is addressed to the nation Israel. As I've said, they have turned from God. They turned from the Lord. And God disciplined them in order to get them to return to Him. Even came to a point that it seemed as though He was begging them to return to Him. And so they refused. And what happens when God speaks to our heart through His words or through action, He speaks to us and He speaks to us, and sometimes word do, words doesn't, uh, they don't work. And so He has to revert to a stronger action, even with, well, with individuals and either, even with nations. And so He disciplined them, disciplined them, begged them, and he said in verse 9, yet you have not returned to me. Verse 10, yet you have not returned to me. Verse 11, yet you have not returned to me. Therefore, judgment is proclaimed in verse 12. And he says, prepare to meet your God. That ought to shake us to our shoes. If we're out of the will of God today as his people, and especially if we don't know Jesus Christ personally as Lord and Savior. Now, although the message is for the nation Israel, it, it's a very definite personal application to all of us this morning, to, the, to us who are saved and to those who are unsaved. The same message is clear to us. Repent and return to the Lord, or prepare to meet your God. Now, first of all, if you're taking notes, what does it mean to prepare to meet your God? How do we prepare to meet God? First, the believer drifts from God. The believer drifts from God. There's times in my life that I drift from God. I have to be very careful to just uh, to be careful with my time, to be careful with my actions as, as a man of God. As a pastor and under-shepherd, I want to be extremely careful not to drift from God. Now, how do, I, how do we drift from God? I'm going to mention four ways that we drift away from God. First of all, if you're taking notes, our love for Christ fades. This is a way we drift from God. Our love from Christ fades. Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. He says this to the church. 
He says, Remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Remember, he says in verse 4, Nevertheless I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Now one way we drift is that we leave our first love. Now, if, if we find that we don't love Jesus as much as we once did, we've drifted away. So what we need to do this morning is to examine our hearts and ask ourselves, is there a time in our lives that we love Jesus more than we love Jesus today? Is there a time in your life, as you reflect back, that you can say, I love Jesus more then than I love Jesus today? If that's the case, if you love Jesus more in the past than you love Him today, then God's calling you back to the love that you once had for Jesus. You've left your first love. And so we can drift away by, by leaving our first love. Secondly, we drift away when you, when you do wrong. Romans chapter 7 Romans 7, verse 19, jot this verse down. Paul struggled with this. He says, For the good that I will, I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not do, that I practice. Paul says, I have a problem. I want to do good, but then I end up doing evil at times. Have you ever been that way? Of course we have. And so we drift away when we do wrong. So the question is, are there things in your life right now that you know that God objects to? If there is, and you're doing those wrong things, then you've drifted away from God. So you drift away from God, be very careful, you'll leave your first love. You've loved Him more in the past than you love Him right now. You drift away from God when you do wrong things. Things that you're doing right now and in your heart and so you know God condemns it, but yet you continue to do it. You have drifted away from God. Third, you drift away when you fail to do right. James chapter 4, verse 17 says, If you know to do good and you don't do good, then that's sin. And so when we fail to do right, knowing to do right, we don't do it, then that's sin. And we drift farther away from God. So as a believer, we're commanded to pray. We're commanded to read our Bible. We're commanded to attend church. We're commanded to give. We're commanded to love. We're commanded to love each other. We're commanded to love our enemies and to pray for our enemies. We're commanded to forgive any hard feelings you have, any unforgiveness you're experiencing right now in your life. We're told to evangelize and to share the gospel. How has that gone this week? So you can drift away when you fail to do right. So the point is, when we fail to do these things that we know we need to be doing, and we're not doing them, then God is calling us back 
He's calling us home. He's calling us to return to Him. And then if you're taking notes, number four, or D, on your outline. We drift away when we grow lukewarm. When we grow lukewarm. Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. Listen to God's Word. Revelation 3, verse 15. I know your works. Speaking of this lukewarm church. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will, the new King James says, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Be careful. We can drift from God when we grow lukewarm. Now, if you're cold spiritually, you pretty well know that. <laughs> You, I mean, you're, you're pretty, it's, it's obvious to you that I, that I have drifted away from my love from God. I'm doing things in my life that I know that God's not happy with. I'm, I'm not doing the things that I need to be doing, just this basic uh, Christian disciplines in my life. I'm not doing those things. I'm pretty cold in my life, you may say. But you see, God wants us not to be code, but He wants us to be hot. He wants us to be on fire for Him. In other words, ablaze for Him. So if you have just enough warmth in your spiritual life that makes you think that you're okay, and you're not ablaze for God or hot for God, then you have drifted away. You either code or you either hot. But if you just pacify yourself with a little religion in your life and you're just lukewarm, God says, that just makes me sick and I'm just going to vomit you out of my mouth. He wants us to be ablaze in our love and our commitment to Him. So the point is this, when you're less enthusiastic about living for Christ, then you've drifted away. So four ways to drift away. Our love fades. We do wrong. We fail to do right. And when we begin to grow lukewarm in our life, it's easy to drift away. No one intends to drift away. The devil leads you. Demons lead you to drift away. But there's some good news. Listen to the good news. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 12 through 13. Go and proclaim these words, he's told Jeremiah, to the north and say, Return back, slide in Israel, says the Lord. I will not cause my anger to fall on you, for I am merciful, says the Lord. I will not remain angry forever. Only acknowledge your iniquity. Confess your sin, in other words, that you have transgressed against the Lord your God and have scattered your charms to alien deities under every green tree, and you have not obeyed my voice, says the Lord. So there's hope, there's encouragement. If we'll confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
And so he says here, every Christian who drifts away can come back to God. And it's a short road back to God. It's not a long journey back to God. It won't take you 30 seconds to come back to God. If you want to come back to God. God makes it easy to come home when you choose to come home. Think of what you're missing when you've drifted away from God. Think of, about what you've missed when you're away from God. You've missed God's blessings on your life. Things may not be going well for some of you. I know what happens to me when I drift from God. I miss His blessings. Things don't go well. You'll miss His peace that He gives you. I mean... Uh, you may feel something's wrong and something's not right. There's an uneasiness in your life. It could be you've drifted from God. When you're not at home with God, when you're not, when you've drifted from God, there's a sense of not, there's a sense of, of when you're with God, there's a sense of forgiveness. And when you're apart from God, you begin to feel all of this guilt from the past. Those things you've asked God to forgive you for, those things you know He's forgiven you for, you begin to feel guilty. The, the devil puts those things back in your mind and, and begins to, uh, to cause you harm and hurt emotionally and spiritually. When you've drifted from God, there's this sense of forgiveness that fades away and the guilt comes back. You'll miss the joy of being saved. And you're sad and you're burdened all the time and you're short and you're temperamental when you're away from God. You'll miss the spiritual purpose in your, in your life. You'll feel unfulfilled. You'll feel empty inside when you've drifted from God. And most importantly, your Christian influence and your fa to your family and to your friends is not what it should be when you've drifted from God. And so listen, God's calling you back. You say, well, Brother Sammy, I want to return to the Lord. I really do. I want to come home. How do I come home? Let me give you some steps in coming home to the Lord. First of all, reflect. That's what he said here. Look, if you will, at Revelation 2, verse 5. He says this, Revelation 2, verse 5. He talks about reflecting. He says, remember. Reflect, remember therefore from where you have refault, where you have fallen. Go back, reflect, think of where you once were with Jesus. Think about that. Think about where you once were with Jesus. I've had people to tell me, Hi, Brother Sammy, I, I remember when I was over visitation. Or, Brother Sammy, I remember when I, I didn't miss grow or I didn't miss faith. I, I remember when I taught a Sunday school class. I remember all of these past things that they had done for Christ. You need to reflect about where you were at one time. He said, first of all, to come back to me, he says, remember, therefore, from where you've fallen. Go back to where you were. Think about your commitment prior. Think about the goals you've set for your Christian life prior. What you wanted to do for God prior. Think about those things. So the point is, think about how it was when you were close to God. And it hasn't been that way in a long time, perhaps. And then he says, first, reflect. Secondly, he says to repent. Look at verse 5. 
Revelation 2. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. Repent. You know, repentance is feeling sorry. Feeling sorry for your sin. Repentance is feeling sorry. It's having a regret. It's having a sincere sorrow. You begin to think about your sin, and you have this regret. You have this sincere sorrow that brings tears to your eyes and your heart, your throat's all choked, and you, you can't even talk about it from time to time when you begin to repent. You're so emotionally torn because you have this this uh, feeling inside. So repentance is a feeling, but it's not only a feeling. Repentance is more than just a feeling. Repentance is a decision. It's a feeling, I am so sorry, God. I, I really am. And you're weeping your eyes out, and you're crying, and you're just having one more fit. It's a feeling, but it's also a decision. It's a decision to come back to God. And if you don't make that decision, you can weep this room full and not come back to God. It's more than a feeling. It's a decision to turn back to God. So he says, first of all, reflect. And then he says to repent. And then he says in verse 5, he says, confess. Therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works, first works. Go back and begin doing the things you were doing. That's a good sign of repentance. Then you confess. You prayerfully confess to God your desire to come back to Him. Now remember, confessing is agreeing with God. It's agreeing with God. God, I'm confessing this sin to you because I know you see it as I see it, or I see it as you see it now. You don't justify it, you don't rationalize it, but you confess it to God. Remember, confessing is agreeing with God. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and what? Turn from their wicked way. Then I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin. I'll heal their land. Confess. Agree with God. And number four. Do the things that you should be doing. Verse 5 in Revelation 2 says, Do the things that you were doing in the past. Pray and read your Bible and attend church and evangelize and serve and do ministry. Do what you were doing before. Now, here's a big question. Do you feel that you've drifted away in any way, any form whatsoever? Have you drifted away from the Lord, from God in some way? Don't justify anything. You confess it just as God said to confess it. Now, if you say, yes, I have, Brother Sammy, I've drifted away. You don't owe me no apology. I've You don't have to ask me to forgive you. But you confess it to the Lord and you ask Him to forgive you. I want you to bow your heads just for a moment as we close out. If you, as a believer, have drifted away 
Pray a prayer similar to this. Let this be your prayer. I prayed it before. Dear God, I miss you and your people in my life. I confess I have drifted away and I'm sorry I let it happen. I ask you to forgive me and I renew my love and my commitment to you. Thank you for calling me back home in Jesus' name. Amen. Now the question is, did you pray? If you prayed, that's good. And if you didn't pray, why didn't you pray? You say, well, Brother Sam, it'll cost me too much to pray. I'll have to give up too much. It'll cost me, it'll cost me too much. Well, let me ask you this. What will it cost you not to pray and ask God? To forgive you and come back to him. What will it cost you not to do that? Well, you say, well, my commitment won't last. I prayed this prayer. You know, I've done prayed it 10, 12, 15 times. You know, I prayed last year. You know when Paul prayed that prayer? Every day. Every day. You see, rededication is not once a year or once a month or at church. Rededications every day. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, he says, I, I die daily. He renewed his commitment to the Lord every day. Every day. Amos 4.12 is a message to God's people. However, Amos 4.12 is a message to those who are lost. The same message, if you've never trusted Jesus, you need to prepare to meet your God. You say, well, how do I do that? It's real simple. You ask God to save you. Wouldn't you rather be prepared to meet Him in love and not judgment? Wouldn't you, knowing, knowing this, listen, you can mark it down, put a line under your Bible, write this down, prepare to meet God. You're going to meet God one day. One day. And it's better to meet Him in love and not in judgment. You're going to meet him one day. Everyone's going to meet him. You can't put that off. You can't put it off. You're going to meet God one day. The rich is going to meet God. The poor is going to meet God. The politician's going to meet God. The liars are going to meet God. Presidents are going to meet God. Kings and queens are going to meet God. Your position and power, authority, whatever it might be, or you may be the low man or the low person on the totem pole, you're going to meet God one day. You can meet Him in love, or you can meet Him in judgment, but you better prepare to meet God. And the way you do that is to get saved. You say, well, how can I get saved? I can show you on one hand, it's called faith. F Forgiveness, you can't go to heaven without it. The Bible says, the Bible says, in him, meaning Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. Nothing else but his blood. The redemption or the forgiveness of sin. F, forgiveness. A, it's available to everyone. John 3, 16, you know the verse. It's available to everyone. It's not automatic. F-A-I, it's impossible to go to heaven without it. Heaven's a beautiful place, it's a sinless place. 
And in order for you to go, your sins have to be taken care of. It's impossible to go to heaven without forgiveness. And you're a sinner by nature, and I'm a sinner by nature, and we've got a big problem, and this problem is our sin separates us from a holy God, and something has to happen to my sin. F-A-I-T is turn. I turn from my sin, and I turn to Jesus and Him alone and ask Him to forgive me and come into my life and save me. I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know He came. I know He died on the cross for my sins. I know that I'm a sinner, and He was buried, and He arose again. He ascended, and He's coming back. I'm going to have to face Him one day, and I'm asking Him to forgive me of my sins. And when I do... It's this place called H, heaven. I can experience a little of it right now on earth because he says that, he says that, that uh, uh, I've come that you might have life and you have it more abundantly. He wants me to have an abundant life here on this earth right now. And then one day he wants me to have a life abundantly in heaven. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be. Also, so today, let me encourage you. If you're here and you've never been saved, you need to be saved because you're going to meet God one day. Bow your heads just for a moment. If you've never been saved, ask Christ to save you today in a prayer similar to this. Dear Lord, I know I've sinned and I need forgiveness. And I believe Jesus died for me. And I repent, I turn from my sin, and I ask you to come into my heart and be my Lord, Savior of my life, take control of my life, and I give myself to you. And thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving my soul today. In Jesus' name, amen. See, this morning God's asked those who are believers that have drifted away to come home. And then he asked the unbeliever, never been saved, to be saved. And if you failed to return to him as a believer, or to be saved as an unbeliever, then go ahead and prepare to meet your God. That's something that everyone is going to do. I mentioned the rich is going to do it. Your money can't keep you from meeting God. Political power won't keep you from meeting God. If you're famous, it won't keep you from meeting God. You say, well, Brother Sammy, how will we meet God? I'll tell you how you'll meet God. You'll meet Him in death. You'll meet Him in death. Or we'll meet Him at the soon-coming rapture, and I believe it could happen any minute the way this world's shaping up. Or you'll meet him at that great white throne as he comes as a victorious king. You'll meet him there. So prepare to meet God. This past week, Hurricane Delta was fast approaching the Gulf Coast. Hurricane warnings went out, evacuate, evacuate, board everything up, lock everything down, sandbag your houses, get out of town. Why is that? Because Delta was on the way. So we have, a, we have good sense to prepare for a hurricane and tornadoes and natural disasters. But God, help us to see the need to prepare to meet you.